All right. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Learning Tech Talks. It's been a double header this week, and uh, we are live today. We're uh, exploring the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered as we navigate this ever complex digital ecosystem that, that is what we're dealing with. And so today I am joined by Udi Hazan and Ido Miran, correct? And they're from Enably. I think I did a pretty good job there on the name thing. Uh, and we are talking about Enably. We're going to talk about frontline workers. We're going to talk about all sorts of good stuff. So looking forward to getting that rolling. If you're just joining us now, feel free to like the post, share it, tag in somebody who is tackling these similar challenges. And as we're getting rolling, feel free to comment and let us know where you are in the world today. I'm in my usual spot in sunny. It is sunny, but it is not warm. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Well, let's go down first. Ido, where are you? Uh, I'm right in the middle between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, in the center of Israel. Okay. Central Near the Israel. airport. Near the Near airport. The airport. So we might Doesn't hear a plane. Me a lot. Doesn't help me a lot these days, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> at least if things ever change, at least you know it's there. It's it's available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Udi? I'm located a bit northern than Tel Aviv. It's called Benjamina, and, and it's a small uh, city, I would say, northern than Tel Aviv. Great weather. It's the evening here. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it looks a little darker. So it's my morning, your evening, you know, my lighting yeah. definitely works. It works better at my time. All right. So with that, before we get into the discussion and I'm, and I'm looking forward to hearing the history and the background between time to know then enabling and, and everything that we're going to get into, but the question unrelated to the topic at hand is what is the most interesting job you've ever had. And again, I gave a lot of latitude with how you could answer this. So I'm going to reverse the order and we're going to go with Udi first. Let's hear it. Like what's the most interesting job you've ever had? So uh, 20 years ago, after a few years of uh, service, I uh, lived for a while as a, and worked as a diving instructor in Kotao Island in uh, Thailand. So that was quite a uh, quite, uh, time, I would say. How long, how long did you do diving instruction? Uh, four months. Okay. Four months. Okay. And it, yeah. And was that something you picked up or from the time that you can't talk about in the military, did you learn diving <laughs> stuff? And then you decided, you know what? Hey, I'm going to do this on a, on a hobby end. Uh, it was uh, a hobby. I think uh, I just traveled uh, for a few months in uh, Asia and uh, I, I was uh, doing it as a hobby first. And then I decided, let's try it a bit more professional. But it was uh, clear for me that it's uh, for a few months to experience it. And then I uh, went back to the grown stuff, grown up stuff, you know. <laughs> the grown up stuff. <laughs> Come on. You know. So do you still dive as a hobby then? Are you still a diver yes. as a hobby? Yes, okay. Okay. So, but, but I have to say my favorite hobby is uh, rock climbing and I'm still doing that all the time. Okay. But you never did that as a job? That never grew into a no. job? Okay. Uh, no, in this area, I try not to mix uh, business and pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, if you love rock climbing and deep sea diving, Milwaukee, Wisconsin is not the best place to visit. So I would not I recommend that imagine. here. We have other hobbies here that have nothing to do with that. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> All right, Ido, you're up. Let's hear it. What is the most interesting job you've ever had? Yeah, so 
like about 15, maybe 17 years ago when I was 10, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, so it was a regular job. I was in a telecom uh, vendor company. And okay. then it turned out to be a little bit different. And I found myself in southern Argentina and Patagonia around these amazing, you know, the edge of the earth with glaciers and amazing nature. Uh, with my job bringing me there to uh, to handle voice compression systems that run on on satellite communication, and I found myself uh, roaming uh, around Patagonia and getting paid for it. It was amazing. Okay, and you decided not to That's... stick. You decided to do something else after that. How long did you do that? Oh well, there you know a couple of weeks uh, here and there. Um, but um, yeah, so I did clean pools when I was seventeen. But uh, <laughs> it was less. It was less. Uh, it was there were some other interesting stuff there. But uh, okay, so it was All different. Right. Cleaning pools, different. Argentina. You've got quite the. Yeah. You've got quite the portfolio. Uh, <laughs> and somebody messaged me. They said I'm lagging a little bit. So if I'm lagging, my apologies for the delay. Um, okay. Got it. Well, we've got some interesting backgrounds. So mine, I was torn. I was torn a little bit on these two. Uh, so I did grow up, my parents were funeral directors. So I did help out in the funeral home with my dad. That was like my job growing up. Um, so that, but I, the one I decided actually, I thought was most interesting was in college in summers, I worked in construction building golf courses. It was actually pretty fun. I would travel around. I got to drive all the big equipment and do all the stuff, and I would build golf courses. So yeah, I, before wow. before the days of learning and technology, I was a drove Caterpillar D8s and carved out fairways and, and greens. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, so let's let's shift gears. Let's get out of the talk of jobs, although jobs can be fun stuff too. But let's hear. You know, so tell me a little bit about the backstory because I guess. When people hear Enably, they may know it as Time to Know. They may know it as Enably. What is, first of all, what's the story? And you both can share, you know, your perspective. But then also, how do you describe it to people? When people say, so what does the product do? How do you explain that? So I would say uh, 15 years ago, more or less, our uh, first owners and the co-founders of uh, Time to Know, that's how it started, they, uh, they've done some uh, great things and they decided after a lot of uh, success with the, the current companies they, they had, uh, they decided to have, um, I would say, philanthropic initiative to, okay. uh, to, have, uh, to, to bring technology to classrooms, to K-12 classrooms. That's how it started. They decided it doesn't make sense uh, and that uh, still we are teaching the same way and we are a startup nation. Let's do something about that. Let's give back to society. And then they invested a lot. Uh, if you Google up, you will find the, the figures uh, of a few years ago. And uh, they invested a lot in uh, generating and building uh, uh, innovative technology that will allow uh, uh, schools, teachers to, 
to teach with the techno and use techno advanced technology and uh, deliver uh, knowledge to students. Then it grew to, to universities and it grew to uh, companies. And along the years, we've done several pivots. Uh, we've done several changes. We split the company. Now the, there is a, a different company who focus on bringing technologies to K-12 that is, okay. uh, uh, that is uh, not related to us anymore, I would say. But the main company who, uh, who was doing the R&D and the development is still us. Time to know with the, I would say, until last December, and ably since last December. Uh, in last December, uh, uh, by, by the way, few, three years ago, we decided to focus on corporate training. Okay. And this is the main focus of the company since then. And uh, as, as I would say in last December, the company was acquired. And uh, when it was acquired, uh, we've done some rebranding to Enable, uh, formerly Time to Know. And uh, we are uh, um, focusing on corporate training. In corporate training, we are focusing on the core of the training and also training and learning. And also uh, one of the main use cases is the front line of the company and outside from the company, uh, extending the training to the outside of the company, to different functions that are related okay. to the company. So it got its start in K-12. I didn't, I, that part I didn't know. So it started in academia, then grew into kind of university and now it's shifted and pivoted more towards yeah. corporate corporate employee. Yeah. Actually, Correct. the story, the story that I heard at least like uh, both Udi and I are like more than three years in the company uh okay. but the story that i heard that i like uh is that uh, it started as this project in the southern part of israel where there are um, the bedouin minorities and uh and these areas that uh, that are like uh underserved uh typically okay. back then uh, and getting into the classrooms there and uh, you know helping those uh, uh that community um, and it started as this small project, and then it it, it gradually, you know, expanded to a, a to a learning technology uh, company. Okay. Yeah, it was it. it was a huge success. This project yeah. ended with a huge success that made the co-founders deciding to scale it up to North America, to Asia, to Latin America, and not only Israel at the okay. time. And you both have been there how long? Three years, about ish. Three years, more or less. Yeah, yeah. more, more. Okay. Three, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then, just, so start, just started. We just started, just... Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first week, <laughs> and we're here on Learning Tech Talk talking about it. Got it. Okay. So you've been here for a bit. You've, you've. So you've seen the journey. You've been on the journey for a while, and you know we talk about. So I guess my other follow-up question to that is, is is it so? Is it a platform then that people are using? Are you creating content in it? Is it deploying content? How are organizations leveraging it? So it's a comprehensive SaaS platform that allows okay. uh, easy content creation from current materials such as PDF, PPT, videos, com files, website, what you name it, any format you have. Any okay. asset you have, you can uh, mix it, not just as a file attachment or link. You can mix it in the same place. We can elaborate a bit more about that uh, later. And uh, so it's easy content creation by everyone. We believe in democratization of the knowledge and uh, generation creation and also distribution. So not only instructional designers can create it. 
any any subject matter expert in the company can easily get a few minutes of uh, of training. The system is very self-explanatory. Can create content and distribute it to its customers, clients, uh, partners, to his team, to the company. If you are a product manager and you have released, you can create a five minutes interactive content and distribute it to to the field, to the employees, okay. to your customers. And also, so it's, it's more, yeah. you can create you can create content in it. And again, going back to so if I'm understanding correctly, then from a licensing standpoint or the way it works is it's designed to basically enable the workforce to create and share content through. So it's a content development capability, but then also a distribution and, you know, consumption. Uh, platform. So the, the point so the point is that the platform uh, encompasses the entire um variety of uh, training and learning in the company. Okay, so one side of it is what Udi described as, uh, um, you know, the content that is created in the company itself, that is company specific, right? Like, uh, uh, it concerns your own products and services. Um, there are updates, you know, a new, um, a new pricing plan, a new version of your uh, product, uh, aligning, uh, you know, there are different use cases. I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss them um, a little bit later sure. on into the hour. But this is one one side of, you know, the whole range of, of knowledge that you must have your employees, whether they're frontliners, internal, external, uh, you need to know. And the other, the other side is, you know, the classic uh, um, Compliance uh, training, uh, soft yeah. skills, um, uh, training and development of your, your your workforce with some of the content coming, you know, from off the shelf courses that you can combine within the same platform. So the idea is okay. that you have one platform that serves uh, both, you know, HR, L&D needs and uh, business units needs in a, in a holistic way instead of having, you know, uh, disparate, uh, you know, different platforms for different use cases. Got it. Got it. So on the so on the front line, because let's define this, because again, a lot of the branding or a lot of the marketing that I've seen around enabling and time to know is is around those frontline workers. And so obviously that was an intentional that was an intentional portion of the strategy, not necessarily saying that's yeah. the only place to use, but that is heavily where you're seeing opportunity, you know, for where why the decision to do that and how is that actually enabling Creative name, by the way, right? Enabling, enable. Uh, you know, how is it better enabling? Yeah, <laughs> the front line. Why is it working so effectively? So let's first define who are the frontliners. Frontliners sure, are customers. Back it up. Customer support departments, customer success, uh, product teams, uh, everyone that works with uh, partners, customers, and uh, yeah. with uh, the front line of the company, I would say. Contact center uh, agents. Contact uh, center, yeah. Call centers, yeah. agents. And uh, and uh, those frontliners need to move fast in terms of uh, of uh, knowledge uh, distribution. Also, we see in, if you talk if you are talking about call centers, the churn there is very high. So yeah. there is a need to 
to, to onboard quickly people, to update them all the time on, uh, on promotions, on the product, on uh, competitors. If your competitor released something, they need to know it right away and how to deal with it. And uh, you need to make sure that the field is receiving this uh, knowledge. If it's an insurance company, pharmaceutical company, technology company, if you released something new, everyone needs to know about it and how to uh, promote it. So uh, the, the platform enables uh, this use case while using several uh, several capabilities. Uh, one, the first one is the easy content creation, as we mentioned before. It can be from scratch and it can be from uh, current content that you have, existing content that the companies already ha have. And, uh, and some more capabilities is the, we have, in addition to the courses, we have capability that called streams. Stream, okay. uh, when, you, when you create a new content it, uh, and the system asks you, is it a course, is it a stream? Stream, it's like an area where you can push information to the field. Uh, and we, we saw that most, I would say, most of the uh, use cases when a company need, needs to create content, they don't need a fancy content to send it to instruction designer or a third party to create right. fancy content. There is a need for that as well. And this is yeah, great some fancy for, but stuff. Not all the time. Not all the time. And I would say in, in many cases, there is a need to quickly deploy something. And, and the yeah. system supports that. You can, uh, um, as I said, um, many SMEs can quickly uh, create content and yeah, distribute it. I'm curious. I'm going to stop you there. And just so you know, this is the flow of the sure. conversation. When you say something, I'll probably just be like, wait, hang on. Before you go, let me like, dive into that. And I'll, I'll go back to something that you said, but I'll, I'll wait on this one because I'm curious. So you're, you're delineating between content and stream, right? That, that's kind of a distinction between that. And I think one of the points you hit on that is an important one is there is this differentiation of, hey, right, we've got this formal thing. It has more of a, a shelf life. It's something that we can put a little. Exactly. And then there's this stuff that's like, we need to move fast. This just needs to get out there. It's not necessarily something that needs to live forever because it's more yeah. about getting the window of time and hitting that window of time and being able to execute right. against that quickly. So how right. does it differentiate other than right conceptually, I get that, but how is it, how is it actually categorizing or making it clear that that's how you're doing it? Yeah. So I want to give an example, if I may. Yeah. Yeah. Go so, you know, so <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> thank you, Christopher. Um, so like we're, you know, some of our, our uh, clients are, for example, insurance companies, right? And you know, we've seen this quite a lot that uh, they have, you know, they have this in the insurance uh, domain. You have these uh, um, uh, agents, right? So they can be like uh, independent uh, agents. Uh, they can be uh, some of them at your own. Um, and in the insurance world, you have like things that are disrupting it. There are new regula regulations, right, that suddenly, you know, they come up. And you have to align all of your, your, your field, your front line, the people that are, uh, uh, selling insurance products to to end customers, they should be aware of that regulation. So typically, uh, and this is we've been we, we're we're being said that all the time. Typically, it takes like around three months until from the time that a regulation is out until these people are you know properly trained uh, because you have to create a course right, and then there are these experts, instructional designers. They build the course. Yeah. They, they they have these iterations. Eventually, it's out there, and, and during that time, uh, you are 
either losing business or exposing yourself or both. Um, and what enables is for that person who is you know, the most um, knowledgeable about that regulation and, and responsible for that domain in the company to very quickly and easily uh, like take some templates that maybe the instructional designer of the company you know, created the templates for uh, okay. like, a, like a structure, you know, this is how you, um, uh, how you distribute this kind of, of, uh, of knowledge and, you know, quickly take the raw material, like, like a PDF, probably there are like 10 pages of a PDF, right? So bring them into the platform, paste in a video, take a video, shoot a video of himself, you know, uh, with his phone. And describing for, you know, three minutes, these are the top things that you have to know tomorrow morning. Uh, embedding that within the PDF, right? And stopping the video and asking a, a question, uh, you know, just to, to, to have an interaction, to make sure that people are paying attention, asking a poll question at the end of the content, and all of this and uh, making that, distributing that at, at the, the click of a button, right? Just, just uh, select, you know, external agents, uh, North District, uh, life insurance, this, okay, so in know, addition to it, in addition to this content, it's actually also helping you easily figure out who am I going to distribute this yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Very quickly saying, exactly. here's the audience, here's what I need, like boom. So it's not only we're speeding up the process of creating the content, yeah. but we're also speeding up the process of distributing it because we have an urgent need. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, sorry, Udi, uh, and then sure. the, the last part of it is... <laughs> Sorry, I have a tendency to take over. Uh, um, I'm enjoying it. Sorry, used my, to it. My, yeah. So anyway, the last part of this of this cycle is then you know he wakes up this 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 guy or or girl wakes up the next morning, and you know checks the the stats of of uh, of that small micro learning piece of content that they you know shot out through this uh, stream. Uh, which is actually a kind of a you know a community of practice. It's like a you know uh, this group of people that are uh, that share uh, the, like the same domain and the same topic in their jobs, and then looks at you know at the engagement. You know, eighty percent. These are the people that engaged with the content. They completed it. The the, the time that they spent on the on the videos, etc. So it's it's more of a uh, also of a monitoring tool to understand. Where you know the field, your frontline, and, and and any part of the organization, to to what extent are they aligned? Maybe there is a whole team uh, in you know in some place of the of the company that is not aligned to your continent. You should then they can uh, okay. um, you know work on that. So and this is like in opposed to the classic uh, you know traditional you know LMS uh, administrative view of I'm um, you know like signing a course to a thousand people, and then after a month you look at the report. Okay, seventy percent completion. Let's send another email, push it up to eighty-nine percent, so and you have your report. Behind stream versus content, even on the reporting, and it also sounds like from a user experience standpoint, the end user gets the distinction that hey, a stream has been pushed to you, which just from your behavior says. This is something that's important. It's it need you need to pay, pay attention to this because it's it's critical and it's timely. So there's almost a distinction between okay, there's content which is for your ongoing development or training or there's things you need to do, but then there's streams which almost hey, this is urgent. This is high priority. This is stuff you need to have now. Yeah. 
Correct. Also, courses, by the way, it's, this, uh, they are very structured, for example, onboarding of someone to the department and streams. If you are joining the company or some department, not necessarily you need to go through all the streams from last year. So streams are relevant. There, this, there is a different behavior around streams. When you are joining a department or a company, you get a set of courses that you need to complete. But from that moment you were associated with the, the company or with a specific department, you are starting to consume and the knowledge that is being distributed via the streams. So it's, it's a bit uh, different also where uh, reporting and, uh, and a different behavior than the courses. Okay. Now, I, I wanted to say also something about the other part that you exposed, uh, Christopher. The, the, it's not only in, in content creation, the distribution part, it's also something that is uh, important to the frontline front uh, use case. For example, how you onboard your uh, customers uh, and your uh, partners, because not necessarily uh, there are uh, users or you have their uh, relevant details to onboard them to the, to the platform. So there are many ways of onboarding uh, for frontliners to onboard external users. For example, we have guest users we have store for the platform that people can uh, purchase or just self-register themselves uh, into the platform uh, if you send them the link or QR code uh, you can manually do it you can integrate uh, to relevant uh, uh, platforms or you can just send the link for self-registration so there is there are several ways of onboarding quickly external users and keep them separated from your employees in terms of discussions, chat, and other reports and everything. Well, it's an important distinction because again, going back to what we were talking about or where we started this with the frontline workers, especially in some of these different industries and things like that, there there is a lot of these roles or individuals that are involved in the work or need need to be have access to some of this stuff, but they may not necessarily to go through the whole onboarding process of a traditional, right? We need to bring them on as an employee, get them loaded in all our traditionals. That that flow of work just a lot of times doesn't move fast enough for the way things are happening. So it sounds like you've accounted for that by saying, well, then we need the platform to be able to accommodate these people that we spin up, spin out very quickly, but they need this relevant information. Yeah, I, I would say, when, yeah. Go for it. no, go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> okay, I'll go for we're it. Polite. Uh, we're like interrupting and then we were, no, no, you, no, you first. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're Israeli, you know, we're, we're polite guys. Anyway, uh, so another aspect, no, it's just that uh, I'm afraid to forget. I, I'm the, the, I think I'm the oldest guy here, so I, I, I think I, uh, I better put it out and, and before I forget it. Uh, another point about about these streams. So Udi mentioned that that you know when you join a team, you join a uh, a company, right? Let's say that you join some, uh, you know, the um, uh, customer support, uh, you know, field engineering, some or salesperson or whatever. Uh, so when you join, you are automatically assigned to the relevant streams, and uh, and of course, you know, courses. Uh, that's always the case. But you're automatically assigned, and from that point onwards, anything that comes through that streams, uh, you're you're consuming, aligning your knowledge. But all of the past um, uh, content that was pushed in that stream is there for you. So this okay. is, uh, and this is super important for retrieval. Like you're you're in the you know in the, you're in the field. So you take out your mobile and you look for information. 
and then you come you come across a um, you know so everything is you know indexed the content itself is indexed uh, even the videos uh, so and, and then you are uh, um, finding that for the relevant information at the right time you know the just in time information okay. micro learning um, and 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 this is available for all of the all of the uh, workforce so that's extremely okay. important and this information is it's semi you know semi curated information like it's uh it's not very you know formal uh, heavy uh, yeah, courses formal. on the one hand on the other hand it's not like a slack channel where you have a lot of things you know a lot of a lot a lot of information that you never know you know is this the right one is this the most most updated one so it is curated. It is curated kind by of that the, in between. It's right in that exactly, exactly. It's curated by the informal. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. In be, in between, it's really I would say uh, defining it because it's uh, also uh, something in between LMS and LXP. It's also we have a special blend. It's also authoring tool, and so you have something that is. Uh, if you ask us who are your competitors, we will say depends. Depends uh, on how how you look at us and what you need and in, in, in what term. Exactly. So okay. it, it's in between. I would say. Yeah. Okay. So on this one, because I'm curious, and and uh, Lizelle brought up a good point here, and I'm curious on this one. So the the risk, and I see this a lot of times when you know people start talking about the democratization of content, and there are some ri there's risks you have to at least be aware of. Is that when people can just start creating content and pushing it out to people, you run the risk of you know, how are you governing, making sure that this stuff goes out? Now, granted, I think sometimes people way over index and they're afraid. People are going to create things and just push. And it's like, well, people are in general not doing that. But I am curious, how does one, how does the system govern that a little bit with streams? Because I could see that potentially going off the rails and pretty soon people are just pushing things all the time and it's not relevant. So is there a way to govern that or to Lizelle's question, kind of help help that get feedback so they know, hey, this wasn't necessarily really that helpful? Or how do organizations deal with that? So what what we have also in the platform is something that's called workspaces. So you can allow uh, some employees to be contributors in workspace and generate content there. And only a specific function in the organization or some functions in the organization has the permission to associate it with a specific uh, stream. And this okay. is, uh, I would say, an approval uh, methodology that uh, can be in place in the organizations uh, yeah. where it's needed. Exactly. So it's it's really interesting, uh, Christopher, because w w we see the whole the entire range. Like some yeah. of our clients, you know, there are like two people. These are the people authorized, and you know, uh, like either they're not um, um, not there yet in this in this journey of democratization, and uh, or it doesn't really fit their you know their organization, their culture, their need. On the other hand, you see uh, you see companies. Um, also around tech, but not not just tech, where you have many many more um, people in the company that are are given this uh, you know this permission. Uh, anyone who is uh, me like personally, I believe that any employee in the company is uh, um, an expert in something that is relevant yeah. to other people in the company, right? So um, so potentially you could you could give this permission to all of the employees, right? Okay. 
typically you see like like the head of uh, uh, customer success okay um, has this the stream that he's managing or, or maybe his you know his team of, of, of customer success managers of customer support uh, regulations um, uh, product um, um, whatever so it really depends on the company who they want to give these these keys to. It sounds like it's controlled. It's controlled through permissions. So again, not just anybody yeah. can. And at the organizational level, you can decide how you govern it. And then to, to Lizelle's point, is there a way for people or authors to get feedback on this through the platform itself? Or how is that managed so that they can know, okay, if I'm a if I'm a content creator and I'm streaming regularly to the field, is there a way for them to get that feedback to say, oh, hey, you know, we, it's not really hitting or it is how how are they managing that i guess you did mention earlier there is some data on are people actually engaging with this content but what else is there to help feed and inform that i will i will let you know, I, I will take it or you will take it yeah Go so for it. yeah so there are some you know smart uh, like uh, alerts that the the platform proactively alerts you on things like uh, you know, these, somebody is, is um, um, not performing or not, not engaged. Uh, and the content, so you know, if there is a, a piece of content that has, and you have, we have this algorithm that um, um, it turns out that this piece of content is more difficult than others, then uh, the owner of that content gets notified and then, and then can drill down with the reports and see, you know, where, you know, maybe uh, three out of the five interactions that are embedded within that content uh, are, you know, are either are too difficult or maybe people are actually finding it difficult to understand that content. So it's not about just, you know, just taking, you know, this guy has run the training, right? You want to really uh, make sure that people understand the content um, and, uh, and then they can do something about it. They can contact um, um, you know, exactly those that group of people that, that uh, had difficulty with the, with that content, or so they, can they can see, you can actually see from an analytics standpoint who's engaging yeah. with this content and the yeah, analytics exactly. behind. No, not not via not only via the reports. It's uh, active. It's actionable insights. So the system raises flags and, and say, for example, this content is not being used uh, by those users, or this content is difficult for those. Uh, users, but I think uh, in a, uh, in addition to what Ido said, uh, in each content you have a button give feedback to the to the okay. instructor, the content creator. For example, I don't agree with this point; it's not updated to procedure, blah blah blah. So the end user can feed look back and feedback the content uh, creator and okay. uh, and the instructor or the associated person uh, with the feedback from the field. Okay. That, that I think the combination of all that, I hopefully Lizelle, that that answers your question because I think it it hits it from a couple different angles, right? You've got the traditional yeah. reports that are telling you what's happening, the things that are happening there. I like, so you're saying these actionable insights, there's something, I'm not gonna throw buzzwords like AI and things around like that, but right, there's something that's actually looking at the data and then saying, hey, here's some, here's some insights that you can take from the way we're seeing people interacting with this so that you can get some feedback on that. And then from the end user, the feedback loop is they can actually then communicate back to the stream content owner and say, this, this wasn't accurate or this, this isn't actually how, um, how it works on, on the real, on the front lines, I guess. 
Correct. Fully agree with that. And also you have uh, the ability to implement uh, um, polls and surveys during the content. And uh, for example, uh, you can stop a video after uh, two minutes and ask uh, what you would, uh, what do you think so far? Is it covering the, the information needed to know uh, blah, blah, blah. And then you can have also uh, implemented a longer course or a longer content, some uh, surveys and, and uh, polls to, to cover, uh, to cover the, the need to know how the field's accepting this uh, content. Got it. Well, and going back to something you mentioned, I think when you first were talking about it, I think what was interesting, and we've, we've demystified or decoupled some of these things, um, but I think one of the things that is valuable in what you said, that regardless of where you are or what you're working on in our field, one of the opportunity areas I see is the speed at which we can do things, right? The speed at which we can do things. And it's easy, depending on your role, sometimes things don't move that fast. But I think your point about the front lines is an important one where things do move that fast. Like things are moving at a much more rapid pace and the whole, well, it's going to be three months before we can reach that audience with this information. It's just not acceptable. You may be able to get away with that in certain environments, but in others, that has massive risk to the organization to not be able to you know, push and reach those people with critical elements with that level of speed. Exactly. I, I, I want to say something about speed because when I when we ask customers or partners why, why you're working with Enably, why you choose Enably and not the other competitors, so they're saying four things. One of the fourth top things they're saying is is speed. And when we say speed, it's across many, many points uh, in regards to Enable. First, it's the speed of content creation. And we didn't mention we have also automation around that. So if you upload, for example, a presentation, the system can create automatically suggested questions based on the presentation that you have uploaded. So we are giving also tools to rapidly create content. So talking about speed, it, you can find it in, in several ways. Uh, we, we would like our users to quickly create content and distribute it quickly. Also going live, many of our customers are going live uh, really quick. You, If you have already uh, some uh, raw materials to be uploaded, you can go live within days. Uh, and many of our customers are doing that. And, uh, and the responsiveness of the company, this is in another topic. If, uh, if we have ask our customers, uh, why us? And uh, we are very responsive because we are not big enough uh, to, I would say we're big enough to be uh, uh, responsible yet small enough to be responsive to our customers. Yeah. And we feel it all the time. Okay, got it. So speed is not just part of, I mean, it sounds like it's part of the culture. It's part of the culture of the platform is, yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at things from a speed standpoint. How do we speed things up? So then from an automation standpoint, there's, there's some stuff happening behind the scenes then as well that's feeding that automation because that's not a person sitting there looking at this, making these recommendations. You've got You've got natural language processing, you know, things like that that are actually analyzing this stuff and then making recommendations to help automate and speed this up. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's also Which, yeah. well, and yeah, what's exactly. funny is the point that I was gonna go with that. And again, I can I can stop there, Edu, if you have something that uh uh, you want to add to it uh, from a capability standpoint? Yeah, so I, I just wanted to say a few more words about this. Uh, the, sure. the, what what Uri talked about in regards of speed, and uh, we called it uh, magic content. 
so like the questions are magically uh, being created and just based on the the, pre the presentation right you got some powerpoint slides you upload them and and it, the system analyzes them and you know some you know at the beginning when this uh, idea by the way this idea was born in a hackathon that we had uh, a couple of years really? ago yeah, one and a half years ago um and um you know some people at first thought ah wow it's a great gimmick you know um it's cool right it's like ai i don't like saying ai too much because you know it's like I, I that's why I said used. I didn't want to go into we're, it. We're cutting through the fluff, right? We're cutting through the fluff here, right? Yep, we're I, cutting I, through I it. Cutting through it. So, uh, so I don't like saying it, but there I said it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the point is that this serves a purpose, right? It's not just there for being cool, for being, you know, innovative, just for the sake of, of innovation. Yeah. Uh, and, and it serves... Um, the the user right so the user this is uh, let's remind ourselves this is a person that is responsible for some domain in the in the company it could be very narrow it could be a, a little bit broader and, and now has has this knowledge that it's let's face it usually it's not rocket science right it's you know it's you have to do it to know a b and c to know how it affects your job to know how to apply it to your day to day job and you need to know it now right and. And then he needs to, uh, um, or she needs to, uh, make that knowledge uh, accessible to some audiences, internal, external audiences, uh, throughout the company. And you know, so you have this this presentation. You, anyway, you created these few slides to explain that topic, and now you have to come up with questions. And we saw that many of our customers they don't take, you know, the users they don't take the time to create those interactions. So it's so tempting to just send it out, right? Just just push it out. Yep. And, yeah. But then you have two problems. First, um, uh, the only insight that you get back is, did people stare at your content? Okay, they stared at it. They scrolled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's nice to know about that, but but you 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 when it's important uh, for your you know for the bottom line of your company to to know that these that your 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 people out there really understand it. Then this is not, it's not enough. It's simply not enough. So you got to ask them something. And yep. the other side of this is if the content is not engaging, is not interactive, if you as a learner don't have to do anything, then you, you just, you learn less, right? Everybody, yep. we all know that, right? If you just watch a, a 10 minute video and don't, don't have to interact with it, it is less effective than, than uh, having to interact in the middle. So Big, this is VS being active. Exactly, active, yep. being active, and and we came up with this happens to be cool feature that really made that possible. Yeah. Um, well, you know the thing about it though, and I think this is a it's a good point is, and I and I try and make this clear with a lot of things is that technology, if done with a purpose and adding value to something, is when it matters. If you're chasing it for the sake of chasing it, that's where you have issues, which is again why. I talk about AI or some of these other technologies carefully because you can go down a path and chase it for the sake of chasing it. And then that's not doing anything. But I think what's interesting about what you talked about this is there's a couple things. One, the AI is actually adding value in the sense that one, it's speeding things up, right? It's speeding things up because it's, it's preventing, it's taking some of the rote boring stuff that you have to do and saying, hey, let us take care of that really quick. 
while still keeping you in the loop. If I'm understanding right, the AI is not just doing this, but it's doing this and then giving some feedback almost to say, hey, here's some things that you may want to think about or you may want to add and empowering that person to say, okay, that makes sense or I might need to tweak it or things like that. But again, ultimately, in some ways, almost upscaling your subject matter experts on how to think differently about it. Yes, you could record a three-minute video or just dump a PowerPoint and push out, but that's not going to be as effective. And we as learning people can't chase around every single subject matter expert. So then let's let the technology give them those nudges and guide them along the way to make them better and improve the content that they're creating. That's correct. Also, what we found in regards to what you're saying now is that, for example, releasing a, a product update, software update, is usually yeah. look the same. So we decided to build templates that will speed up also uh, the, the structure of the content, not just the specific uh, video questions, uh, so on and so forth. For example, there is a template for uh, different use cases. Ah, you are building uh, now an uh, update of regulation for blah, blah, blah. Here is a template. You can put in here uh, this and that, and then it's going to look this way. So it's, it's taking someone uh, that is not very uh, familiar with content creation, a non-instructional designer persona, and makes him release something that is good enough uh, to be released for uh, the end users in the other side. In, in, I like uh, that you say good enough, right? And, and in some ways, some people that'll set them off because they'll be like, what? It can't be. But sometimes it's like, no, it's about it's speed is more important and reaching these people with things is more exactly. important than creating the perfect right thing, especially because sometimes this stuff doesn't have a shelf life long enough to justify the effort to doing all this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Now you can you can invest time and use uh, different capabilities to create something fancy, but I would say this is not the core idea of what we are discussing now. So you're right about no. this. Yeah. So another. Yep. You can do it, and you know the other thing that's interesting that I sometimes see when because we're on the automation piece, right? We're talking a little bit about automation and how AI is yeah. helping automate some of these things. Sometimes that can feel a bit threatening to people in learning and development. Right. It can be a little like, well, that's my job. My job is to create content. My job is to do these types of things. And the reality with that is I have never met anyone who said we are able to create all the content that we would ever need at the speed that we need to do it. I've never I've never seen an organization and an L&D function in that capability. But what this does is instead of threatening your value, the two things that you hit on was one. The instructional designers are still involved in kind of saying, hey, consistently, like we use this. So we should have some templates to, again, speed this up. You're, you're getting the data to help inform your SME. So your role is still valuable, but now you're able to reach yeah. a much broader audience at a much faster pace that now is actually adding tremendous value back to the business versus you as the L&D organization being a bottleneck trying to force everything to have to go through you. And now you're actually slowing down business instead of actually enabling it. See what uh, I did there? Exactly. <laughs> nice I want to give another interesting example, like a, a slightly different aspect, but the same thing of, of, of speed. And we noticed that some, some uh, of our customers, uh, you know, especially uh, customers, um, companies that are, you know, um, they have a 
a certain uh, product and they have uh, people uh, manning a, a contact center and support agents and customer success agents that uh, they so they have this like knowledge base right like a help center that explains customers their, their users how to how to use their their software or whatever and every time that there is something new so they would there was it would be this person that is responsible for updating the knowledge base right the knowledge the knowledge base help center and creating articles and, and documenting it there yeah. and then there was sometimes the same same person sometimes another person who created the training content for that or updating the, the field and you know copying and, and reusing that and then we said hey this doesn't make sense so so what we developed is a, a connector to the knowledge base platform okay. enabling to when you to create a content and then pull in dynamically these articles as the um, as the building blocks and then just around that wrap it with embedded uh, questions embedded interactions so it speeds up uh, dramatically the time to uh, to to the to okay. field of, well, of speed, that content. right we're hitting on speed right and also and also if you have you know in the knowledge base if you have something that is updated but like a new screenshot a new new information that is updated it is automatically then updated in all of those uh, you know courses and streams where this content is being referred to so it's dynamic and okay. and, and this is this is the prism through which we are looking at you know making okay. things uh, uh, faster um, and 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 it serves exactly what you said, Christopher. The pace, the pace itself of of ch of change, is getting faster and, and faster towards the singularity point, of course. Um, but uh, but this is really something that characterizes the the work the the work the world of work today. M much more these days, I would say. Uh, we saw it in the COVID nineteen. We 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 had uh, we doubled the the volume of usage uh, from quarter to quarter during twenty twenty. We just doubled, and I'm not exaggerating I to, here. I have to imagine you did. And so before, but on that, going back to um, Ido's point, Ido's point. The so on this, we're talking about then you're integrating or at least some customers are, they're integrating with their knowledge management if they have something that exists, correct? So that, because I can see that's a risk where you're saying, oh, right, from a workforce standpoint, well, I usually do this for our knowledge management. This is where I do this. Now you're asking me to do it over here in this other system. And now you run into duplication risks where, oh, this one's up exactly. to date, this one's not. And so what people are doing then is integrating knowledge management into Enably so that, hey, you're pulling from your knowledge management database you're augmenting that with additional instruction or guidance or whatever, and then pushing it out. It's reaching the field, but then you're only updating it. You're not really disrupting the flow of work that they're used to. You're just adding another layer to it. And then with automation, it's not even necessarily adding a ton of additional work. Exactly. You nailed it. Yeah. Okay. And also, and also you nailed it when, when you talked about the HR. <laughs> When you talked about HR as a bottleneck, I think you nailed it there as well. Yeah. We see it as, uh, as one of the triggers uh, for using Enable in many cases. Okay. Christopher, it, it looks like you know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told that from time to time. Okay. Well, so so let's let's dig into this a little bit more because I am curious. You know, so one of the other questions Lizelle asked, she's she's got another one, and I'm curious. I'll frame it a little bit differently. But, you know, as organizations, because one of the things we typically are always trying to say is, hey, we, we've got this idea, we've got this concept of what we can do. 
how can we then translate that and show that we're actually having an impact? So whether it's, you know, a specific example you have, or in general, when organizations are saying, hey, we're doing this, how are they then going back or even just continually kind of showing, hey, here's what we're actually able to do. Obviously, there's the engagement piece, but do you have some classic examples where you've said, hey, this is how an organization has really showcased that we've made an, a dramatic impact through this speed and ability to reach people quickly? I have to say here something. First, we did it in several cases in the past where we connected to other systems, for example, connect to Salesforce to find correlation between training and, and sales okay. or training and some other performance. This is one piece. Now, we just won a few weeks ago um, a budget in the Innovation Center of uh, the government of Israel to exactly dig in and develop this use case, to find the correlation, to have a, to develop tools and uh, to map the correlation between training and the knowledge to performance of employees. And we are going to enhance this area and we are going to bring some new, I would say, uh, news uh, to the world around that. But uh, we are, we are the, the capability to connect easily to other platforms and uh, map the correlation uh, between uh, training and performance. Uh, and also having the ability to, uh, in a uh, formative way, getting the actionable insights we talked uh, 20 minutes ago, not waiting till the end of the course. And during the course, having uh, or during a training, having insights and then react to them, you're impacting the results uh, in a formative way and not in a summative way. And at the yeah. end, you can, uh, compare to other uh, results in other platforms and, and use other KPIs and have correlation with our BI capabilities to, to map out the um, uh, training VS performance. Uh, this is what uh, we did with several customers. Well, and I think one of the things that works well, especially on frontline workers and customer facing workers, there tend to be a lot more metrics there tend to be a lot more performance metrics that you can look at that are being measured on a regular basis. I, I've run call center learnings. I've run commercial learning, things like that, where it, it does, I don't want to say it's easy because it's never necessarily easy to draw that direct line between the two, but it becomes easier yeah. because things are measured on a regular basis. I remember in a software company I worked in, it was easier for us to connect to the number of customer service inquiries that were coming in or the speed to closing tickets. There just were more metrics that you could start to look at. Yeah. It can be a little bit harder sometimes in you know, corporate -y environments where you may not necessarily have these kind of continual corporate measures. But I think it's an important point as, as people are looking at measuring kind of exactly. the impact of it, it's funny that you said uh, measuring uh, around the ticketing and uh, tickets being closed and because this is the uh, for, I would say the first one of the first use cases we're going to focus on call centers and uh, finding the performance around call centers employees and uh, finding the correlation of the trainings they uh, they've done exactly so I mentioned integrating to the uh, you know uh, knowledge base and yeah. in many cases you know it's the same it's the same platform right like you have your Zendesk for for managing the you know the knowledge and also yeah. uh, as the uh, as the help desk right uh, and you know all these these uh, um, you know intercom and all, all these platforms that that measure right the time to resolution the CSAT, you know all, all yeah. these KPIs 
of, uh, of customer facing uh, personnel. And then we're already linking to those, to those systems and then, and then correlating uh, back those KPIs is exactly what we're, uh, we're going to develop more and more. Um, but I want also to, to, uh, to get us a little bit, you know, back on our, back on the ground just for a second, like, the, like, no, I mean, there is another layer that is uh, maybe more trivial, but the first layer is the layer of engagement, right? Yes. And to, to the question, was it uh, Lizelle, I think? Uh, yes. To the question yep. of, of, of um, you know, showing the impact. So I think these are two levels. The first level is the impact. And, and you know, when, our, when a customer sees that, the, the, um, the, um, um, the content, the, the, the people are engaged more and the coverage is higher and they're reacting faster. And, and so first of all, the engagement level goes, goes up when the content is engaging and when the platform is friendly and runs on every device, you know, and when everything is accessible and, and, and fast and snappy. And then the layer on top of that is the actual, uh, actual knowledge, right? So yeah. when you see that, uh, um, and of course, um, linking that to the real world uh, is often a challenge. Uh, there's yeah. the whole, you know, uh, Kirk uh, Douglas thing, uh, Kirk Patrick, Kirk Douglas. Friday evening, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the Kirk Patrick model, right, of, of measuring the impact of, of, of the training. And uh, this is a whole f uh, fascinating uh, field. And we're starting with uh, with linking to those those KPIs that matter for for the business. Okay. Well, so I want to I want to we I told you we would run out of time. I tell people this every episode before we go live that we will run out of time. They never believe me. They always think we just started. We can't we fill an hour. I'm like, we will fill an hour, and we could fill another one if we needed to. But I think the yeah. piece that we can wrap a little bit on is this measurement piece because it is an important one and going back to this a lot of times in the industry i see this this battle between engagement measurement engagement met metrics are bad and they don't matter and we should only care about business kpis i don't agree with that at all there's a reason there's this whole spectrum of measurement that we look at and when i look at measurement i look at it as we're telling a story that is the point of these, these metrics and why we need these different pieces because they tell the full story. You can't have business impact if nobody's engaging. And engagement tells you important data on, was this relevant? Did people find it helpful? Is it actually reaching people where they need to go? If it's not, you need to address that, but you can't stop there. But it is an important piece of the story. And then you can take that story a step further by saying, what is the impact? How is it actually translating to what people are doing? Which then can lead to, did that impact the business or the outcome we were driving to? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but then we can learn from that and then go back in our story and say, well, where is it that the breakdown occurred? So I think it is an important piece to say, you can't, to your point, it, it's not trivial. Engagement metrics are not trivial. Where it's trivial is if that's all you look at, that's where you stop and then you never go beyond that. And I think that's the point that you know, you've hit on with this is that you're actually telling that whole story by connecting these different systems and these different use cases together. 
Yeah. You need to overcome mm -hmm. the first piece, make sure you deliver the knowledge. It's engaging your audience engaged and consumed uh, and understood and they feel that it was beneficial for them. And then you done, you did the first piece. Now you need to find how it impact the business and the performance. And you need to find if it breaks, where, where, where is the, the linkage or the chain that is, uh, broken. Yes. I agree with that. That's why we're implementing, uh, I would say, several questions or surveys during the content to find is it, it, it was beneficial, what was missing, and that can look back to the what is need to be done in the training in order yeah. to impact the business afterwards. Well, I don't think we could end on a better note than that. So this has been fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for watching, for your comments, your questions along Hopefully we got everything answered and that you got something out of today's conversation. Thank you so much, Udi and Idu, for joining me on the show. This was a, a fun Thank you, conversation. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch. And thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next week.